Welcome to the Asians Redefining Their Success podcast, where Asian professionals share their stories of breaking boundaries and switching into more creative and unconventional careers. I am your host, Yangshi Zhou. Welcome to this week's episode, and I'm so excited to introduce you to Reka. Reka Lin is a Sichuan native and now a University of Virginia alum and SF resident. She first left home on the other side of the planet to attend college in the U.S. at age 18. Since graduating and getting a job in consulting, she's broken out of the traditional mold several times and has made various career changes across different industries and functions, from analyst to designer to now bilingual content strategist. She has transformed her cross-cultural background to her core advantage and focus and thrives at connecting people and ideas across teams, languages, and borders. And it doesn't just stop there. At night, she is also a self-published author, musician, and mental health coach. Before we dive in, let me tell you how amazing Rika's singing is. It is incredible. She also used to play in a band in SF, and I really can't wait to share with you how she navigated all her interests and stayed true to her creative soul, even with the additional constraints that came with being an international. Hi, Rika. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Yongchi. Good to see you. How are you doing? I'm doing so well, and I'm so excited to have you here to talk more about um, your career changes. Sure. And yeah, so first, tell us a bit about yourself, what career you were in, and what you're up to now. Okay, sounds good. And uh, thanks for speaking with me and taking this time. And I'm excited to share more about all things career, career journey, career change, um, just a bit about myself. And then we'll center this self-introduction around career because this is a podcast about career. Um, I was born and raised in Sichuan, China, um, and I moved to the United States to attend UVA, our alma mater for college. Um, this was 12 years ago, so it's been a while. Uh, and then 12 years later in 2019 this year, and since we're talking all things career. I'm here in San Francisco now, uh, jumped coast from east to the west, working as a communications manager for the e-commerce company called Wish. And then this e-commerce company is cross-border because most of the uh, products they sell is to the western buyers, whereas the products they source are from China, uh, most of them. So, And um, I spent these past six years in the tech industry here in the Bay Area and then within the six years, I have worked for three different companies. Um, and the first one was called Indiegogo. It's a crowdfunding company. And the second one is called Sensor Tower within the mobile app analytics industry. And now for Wish, which is the cross-border e-commerce. So you can see the thing about my career journey, actually super relevant to this show also, is that uh, crossing industry as well as crossing different roles in different teams um, I can list it a bunch from like trust and safety team to design to account management to content marketing and now to sort of cross-cultural content strategy slash content creation. So um, which we can talk a little bit more about later about how these transitions happen and why, why they happen. Actually, I didn't go into tech immediately after graduating college. I worked for about two years on the East Coast in the consulting slash professional service industry. And then I quickly realized that that wasn't a good fit. <laughs> so, and it wasn't the road I wanted to take on. So, so there you have another industry change from consulting to tech, uh, which we can also dig into a little bit more. 
Yeah. yeah, definitely. So let's start from the first career change. You mentioned sure. that consulting wasn't a great fit for mm-hmm. you. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that and mm-hmm. how, how did you know that wasn't a good fit? I actually majored in economics and minored in math. Uh, there was a kind of like a golden combination to set, to set you up for pretty much anything. But consulting was something very appealing to me in college, given multiple factors. I think, as you remember, <laughs> back in college, thinking about career is overwhelming and you look to your peers to see what they're doing and you look to what's available to you. Uh, the good thing about, I'm not sure if it's a good thing, but then the, the interesting thing about consulting industry is that they do have a lot of budget to boost their presence on college campus. So it's more visible to college students and to be graduates to see, wow, this must be the industry to go into if I'm coming from commerce, if I'm coming from system engineering, if I'm coming from all these other types of uh, majors. So that was kind of the impression that I got from my peers or from the the advertising of these industries. And this must be the career to go into. But uh, as as you might might already know, uh, the the reality is different from the picture that they paint in college and and going into the industry. uh, There was a lot of areas that was just not a good fit. I learned a lot but it was not really in the areas that I would like to learn about. There's a couple different signals that I realized it wasn't a good fit. And one is the the actual work that I was doing didn't feel connected to the work. It wasn't what I studied in college. And uh, I, I was actually asked to do con, uh, accounting related work, which I took one class in college and was just yeah. forgot about it all. And this wasn't something that I wanted to do. I knew that. Deep down, I knew myself as somebody who is a creative person and who is into music, who is into creating content, who is into writing. And the job didn't afford a space to do any of that because of its lifestyle that it affords because, you know, consulting, you travel a lot and and, uh, it was always tiring. And then there's a vicious cycle. I remember um, there was one project in Boston that uh, we, our our team was cutting half because the budget from clients was cutting half, but then we had to do everything on time, finish everything on time. So team number um, decreased from six to, to three. And we had to finish everything within two, three weeks. Still, same amount of work. So we were working really, really hard, uh, losing sleep and having meetings at 1 a.m. You know, th- so, so those are those accumulates. Those impacted my mental health, which it was a huge topic, but I didn't realize until way later. Impacted um, my way of seeing the world. I, I, I remember questioning, was this really how the world is? You know, is I'm, I'm seeing this through the consulting lens, which... It is involved involves like utilization rates involves like client budget you know is this really how the world is and I'm sure there's there's multiple angles to see it but at the time my mind was filled with seeing the world through the consulting professional service angle uh, which wasn't something that I wanted to see <laughs> so there's that and then and another thing is um, I was I was constantly feeling this job wasn't wasn't suitable for me because I'm just not I'm just not good at it. <laughs> Uh, I remember the, the the manager one time yelling at me under high pressure, of course, yelling at me for, uh, we teach you already once, how can you not do this? And uh, and then he used the college education analogy of, you know, professors in college only teach you once in class and you are expected to know and study and all that. Uh, well, there was no time to study, uh, first of all, and it was not something that I was interested in. That's the key, right? So there you, you, there, you lack the motivation aspect of it. You lack the um, aptitude aspect of it. So you got both combined and you, you, you produce poor work. And then my manager would yell and I would think to myself, wow, I'm being yelled at as, uh, as a fish, I'm being yelled at for not being able to climb the tree. That was really the analogy that I was giving myself at the time. So um, it kind of triggered me to start looking elsewhere. Yeah. 
I'm really glad you brought that point up because I've also had clients too who went into more traditional roles like accounting and consulting when they're you know really deeply creative inside and they mm -hmm. wonder to themselves maybe I just don't have the skill sets to mm -hmm. succeed at any job and that's like really damaging to you mm -hmm. know your self esteem and your belief in yourself so that's a really great sign to notice that when you are at a career and you are not enjoying it or you're not good at it it's not because of you it's that it's mm -hmm. not you are not a good fit for the mm -hmm. current role and there's something mm -hmm. else better out there for you mm -hmm. absolutely that is such a great point and i think it takes some time to get to that point because when we uh, are first into our career we take it very seriously this is something serious we're doing this for the first time we're entering the professional world for the first time um, but over time you will you know as you change career as you become observant of what you're interested in what you know what takes you off and and all these self-awareness building of self-awareness in your career how you feel connected to your job and the day-to-day -day things that you do you will realize that there are different types of environments that suit you better and then you get to know yourself right so that it becomes less of a power dynamic of me having to fit into a career and if i don't i'm a bad person <laughs> or a bad worker uh it's more like hey where in this space am i a good fit and kind of finding that it's nobody's fault it's a two-way street i think yes yes exactly i love that and did you and then so did you take that mindset as you were changing into tech uh, that's a good question. So tech industry, um, I, I jumped into tech, in, in tech industry for several reasons. First of all, for the uh, strong dislike towards my first industry, and I wanted a huge change. And uh, I thought about moving out of Virginia for a good amount of time. And when the opportunity on the West Coast come about, I took it immediately, knowing nobody jumping, <laughs> jumping into this industry, uh, just kind of see what happens. And this was when I was in my um, mid-20s. So uh, I know actually observing my friend groups right now, a lot of people are making the change, not only just in industry, but also in coast, right around the time when they're in their mid-20s. And I know three people already in the past year, born and raised in the Bay Area, having graduated in California, uh, having worked here for a couple of years and now making the move to New York, right? It's, it's, a, it's like seems to be a trend and it's a good time to do that when you feel the need to, you know what, if I don't do this, I, I won't be able to do this in the future. Not to say that's true, but a lot of people feel that way in their mid-20s and that's a good time to jump, uh, to make that leap, right? I'd say the biggest thing jumping into tech, one, the, the total change of environment and two, um, I jumped into tech because I wanted to see what I can do within the industry. So the first job that I got at Indiegogo, what I knew it wasn't really uh, my long-term career goal, but I wanted to experience a tech company. I wanted to experience a startup, what it's like. And my first week going in, I told myself, I'm going to keep my eyes open, uh, sharp, and then observe different teams around me while doing my current work well. And that's the key. I think when you do want to, for example, change teams or change industries, maybe within a, a company, um, within, you know, within a company with multiple areas to focus on, you do your job well to kind of, um, to kind of demonstrate that you, what you're hired for is good, but then at the same time, you're interested in exploring more. Um, I've encountered situation where people are hired and they do a crappy job <laughs> for the role they're hired and they wanted to demand more which from an employer's perspective it is very hard to justify so that's i would say that's like a piece of advice but uh when i jumped into tech it was more of a okay i, I want to keep my eyes open to see where i can fit in more and two the industry just feels so different from consulting not only just the nature of the work 
but also, you know, you're not working for clients, you're working for the company, you're feeling like you're part of it. If it's a good company, you feel you are part of the cause and a part of the mission, and your coworkers are all in it together, right? That's ideal situation. <laughs> That's how I felt when I first got into Indiegogo. And as a result, your circles change, uh, your coworkers become your friends, which is very different from consulting mm-hmm. industry. And that's inducive of um, being all in and giving it your all and feeling supported in, in an environment that is collaborative, empowering. I think that would be the ideal situation, not to say that's what tech industry looks like, but that would be <laughs> the ideal situation for me at least. But I think this kind of um, goes into another key point is observing when you, when you tell yourself, this job is not a good fit for me, why is that? What are you looking for uh, in a good fit, right? Are you looking for a work environment that is collaborative, not toxic? Are you looking to make friends with your coworkers? Are you looking to change the nature of your job or all of the above, right? Uh, maybe make a list of what is, um, what is the most important to you. And then when you do change, interview different places, ask those questions, right? Know what you are looking for and ask those questions, I think. That is really, really good advice. And it's something that I recommend my clients to do as well as to, you know, take full advantage of their time at their current (laughs) career if they don't like it because there's so many signs and insights that they can gain from not liking something because then they can, you know, start thinking about, okay, what's the opposite of this? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Exactly. And I love to go more deeper into the period between these changes. So earlier you mentioned that a lot of people in our mid-20s are now thinking about, you know, taking risks. And I've definitely seen that. And there's also people on the, up, the other side of the spectrum where all these fears are coming up and mm-hmm. they're scared and they're thinking, you know, is this going to work out? Am I going to make it? So I'm curious if you also felt these fears and mm-hmm. what inspired the mm-hmm. action to change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a great question. And fear is so common. And not to say that people who do make the leap don't have fear. Mm. Uh, when we are less risk averse, I think we maybe suppress the fear a little bit more. Whereas when we are more risk averse, fear kind of surfaces it a little bit more and we analyze it more as to why I'm fearing this, you know, what's going to happen and anxiety kind of builds up. Definitely there are fears, especially because I, I had uh, additional restrictions when it comes to finding a so-called, I would say, um, so to speak, career uh, that I can stick to, hopefully, and that has availability for visa sponsorship because of my immigration status in the country. Uh, I no longer have that uh, concern, but then when I was exploring career for the most of my time in the past 10 years, 10 plus years, yes, that is a huge consideration. And unfortunately, that restricts me to a lot of fields that I have to explore, what, uh, kind of the, the, the fields outside of those are out of the out of the question and that was unfortunate but that that aside i'd say the fear was definitely there but i think what trumps the fear was the motivation to want to change the motivation to be curious and to talk to people i think when i started to navigate those changes what i do the most is um, talk to people talk to people in the fields and understanding what their challenges are why did they get into the field and what keeps them there i think understanding the information for me intuitively is part of knowing whether it's a good fit for me before I jump in and get to know the people in the field. So I think the mindset there is more of a, I want to know more (laughs) first. Mm, I want to know more uh, and be curious and see "Hmm, if this is something that's, that's potentially can be a good fit for me before jumping in. That has been a trend for throughout as I navigate different industries and different um, roles and especially potentially the roles that I'm really interested in. I remember when I transitioned at Indiegogo from trust and safety to design, 
I advocated for my interest for about a year and a half to the design team members, and I, uh, and I expressed a lot of interest. I talked to a lot of people, although it didn't work out because when I started doing it, I realized, oh, it's actually not that good of a fit for many reasons and for restrictions at the company, the opportunities they could provide at the time. So there's a lot of factors there that didn't work out, but I did make sure that I talked to people within my design, you know, within design team uh, in my company. I go to design uh, meetups within the Bay Area, and I just try to sign up, you know, sign up for design Google groups to see the conversations between professionals in the industry. And, and yeah, I just try to be curious. I think that curiosity pretty, pretty much trumps the, the fear because the fear for me, it comes from the anxiety of, oh, whether I can do this. Oh, can I, can I actually succeed? Oh, what if this doesn't work out? Right. But then for me, a one way to problem solve there is to, to kind of like um, eliminate that, not to eliminate, but to kind of lower that anxiety a little bit is information, is equipping myself with sufficient information. And I sometimes find myself still feeling anxious after talking to some people. And I told myself that's probably because I don't have sufficient information just yet. I need to continue mm. talking to people, continue doing research. That's different for everybody. Sometimes the fear could be crippling and kind of just like freeze. Like, oh, what do we do? Find out maybe how to problem solve them what can potentially lower your anxiety. Yeah. yeah, definitely. And I really like the point you brought out about how, you know, career changers, it's not that we have less fear or lack of fear. It's just that we decide to still pursue the career and take that action despite having fear. Mm -hmm. And what you said about, you know, gathering more information. Yeah, I definitely think that really helps with gaining more clarity, which then helps with the overwhelmed. And knowing my audience, my listeners, a segment of them also tend to be like overthinkers and tend sure. to overanalyze information. Sure. As if you experienced that with, you know, so much information that you've gathered. And mm -hmm. you know, for me too, I also see it in my life. I have so many files with, you know, ideas mm -hmm. for my business all sure. saved somewhere. And I think it just feels good to like hoard the information because you sure. <laughs> feel like you're taking a step, but sometimes it can just be, you know, confusing and confuse you that you are taking a step when you're not. So how, how do you navigate the two and still make sure that you're turning those pieces of information into action? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I have found myself overwhelmed and feeling more anxious <laughs> because of the information that I got. It's, it's, it's actually, I would say it's actually interesting. So within tech, it took me some time. I think because maybe deep down part of me is thinking, okay, I'm not really coming from a commerce background, I'm not really coming from a tech, like super good fit tech background, like CS or, or I'm not a designer, you know, um, in college, I wasn't, I wasn't kind of prepared in my career, in my career in tech. So there, that gives me a lot of flexibility as to where to go, kind of what to, uh, what to explore. I get the sense of what, where I might be a good fit and where else I'm going to be like, oh, I'm definitely not doing that. <laughs> but uh, so, so I think, I think it's easier maybe to gather the information, and then kind of just start trying it. The start trying it part is different, is, is a little bit harder because it, it has to be aligned with the opportunities that they have, that, that you have. One example is, like I said just now, I advocated for my interest in design for about a year and a half, kind of networking with the design team members, understanding what they do, learning about it, reading books, buying, you know, books to, about design to show my interest. And a year and a half later, there's an opportunity that opens up at my company to have me part-time intern <laughs> there for a couple of months, right? And you get a sense of what it really feels like. So you do want to, you know, gather information, but at the same time, you do want to show your interest and, and really feel out what the timing is. Uh, it, there's so many different factors. At a big company, for example, it might be more flexible. 
I know some companies actually do advocate for um, being flexible and people want to change teams. Managers can stop that. That's big companies. They maybe are able to afford to do that. Smaller companies might be different, but both, there's, there's pros and cons on both sides. Um, smaller companies, maybe it's easier for you to talk to your manager, navigate, and then they can support you. Big companies, it's more of a, a following the process. So it really depends on the situation. But I think if you have an opportunity, definitely go do it, right? I, I know you mentioned you, you, a lot of the audience have the creative side, and that is something even easier to do because you can do something on your own, right, yeah. on the side. I remember uh, working at um, Ernst & Young and uh, <laughs> kind of just there, there were times where I was idle because not put on client projects. I was just there. I was like, okay, what, what am I good, what am I going to do now? Um, uh, I was going through some web webcast of um, company company training videos and and learning about uh, accounting and it just like put me to sleep <laughs> uh, <laughs> on the side. I'm like, oh, this is a good time for me to maybe after work. I'm not too stressful. After work, I can do something on my own. Kind of making music. I, I learned how to upload music to SoundCloud during during my time at at, uh, at Ernst Young. I learned a little bit of sound engineering there because I was doing nice. recording for music. So so you kind of keep exploring that part. I'm not saying that is kind of like a format to follow, but see see how your interest and what you would like to pursue can be plugged into your current situation, I think, and start start exploring opportunities there. Get the information, but also start doing. Uh, do both at the same time. You might, you might adjust in the middle and iterate, but I think having your hands on something, start doing it, feel it out is, is important. Um, not to say you know, that you know, there's, there's merit to overthinking that could also impede you from actually taking actions, I think. I really, really like this. You know, earlier you mentioned you had this consulting lens and now you have this Silicon Valley lean startup framework <laughs> perspective. Sure. Like, sure. like different now. failure is feedback and you do these MVPs, this, these minimal viable pro products pro or projects that I like to call them basically side projects, right? Where you sure, yeah. Create something small, build it, test it out, see if mm -hmm. you like it or not. And Absolutely. projects is something that I really advocate for too. That's how I got, basically how I discovered my dream career and how I got started was when I did a whole year, 12 months of side projects in mm -hmm. 2016. And it really made me realize, yeah, like you can learn so much from mm -hmm these side projects that you do outside of work. I had one and you learn about what you think you should be doing versus what you really want to do. So mm -hmm. I had one where it was learn Excel and similar to <laughs> accounting webcast. It just bore me to tears. No. But I, thought I needed to do it because I was in marketing and you know, mm -hmm. data is good, um, mm -hmm. plan for the future. But mm -hmm. when I was doing these creative side projects, like starting my own blog and mm -hmm. you know, for you, it was starting to learn more about music. That was when mm -hmm. I really realized that, that, I really, really enjoy this and I don't know how it's going to pan out, but mm -hmm. I keep on exploring this and mm -hmm. in the future, you know, now looking back, it mm -hmm. just made perfect sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's actually really good, really good resource to have when we talk about all oh, career resource, what are they really just self-awareness? I think the, the ability to explore, of course, but then when you do explore, being self-aware of what, what, what you enjoy, and it doesn't have to be, this will be a career move in the next two months. It could be, I'm just simply just interested in this and do from a, from an intrinsic motivation perspective, not necessarily for career, but just for you as a person. And then later on, it's, it's actually usually interesting when you do have the combination of those later on, at some point you might find yourself, wow, this all coming together because I did something intrinsically motivating for me a couple of years ago down the road. And then now it kind of integrated into my career somehow, right? It, it's, it's not really a, 
sometimes it's less intentional, I'd say, but it is intentional because it focuses on what you're interested in as a person. And then once you seek out the information that you're interested in, you kind of have that um, selective bias frame, uh, kind of like a framework, kind of um, you, you wear glasses where you're interested in something and you kind of seek it out and you realize, wow, there's more interesting things going on in that, in that area. So you accumulate more information and you, you kind of seeing the world through this lens now because that is something you're interested in. One example I will share quickly is a couple of years ago when I first joined Indiegogo, I had the luxury, luxury, the time and the, the no pressure from work and the, and the supportive coworker and the environment. Indiegogo was such a creative environment at the time to, to write a book. And I thought to myself, wow, okay, I don't, I don't know anything about book writing, but I have actually during college and, and years of working uh, accumulated a lot of writing ideas, just like bullet points of information, thoughts and database of ideas. I have no idea where, where I can take them, but those things are intrinsically motivating. I'm interested in recording them just intrinsically. And I, I was like, wow, okay, now I have the environment and the, and the, and kind of the, the space to create something. I've already accumulated years of ideas. Let's just do this. And I did it. And I realized uh, I it further kind of, um, furthered my interest in writing, deepened my connection with the craft and furthered my love for it and care for it. And fast forward now, I find myself in a job that is mostly writing, right? Not just a creative writing, but I'm, I'm, I'm writing every single day. I'm very meticulous about the words that I choose and I love it. So it's, it's a care for your craft that is directly translated from what you observe yourself to be interested in, in life, not only just in work, but in life, right? And that translated into my career now. Which is which is which is content creation, content strategy, and writing in both languages, right? Every day. So, mm. and I love it for it. I I, I love the aspect of that um, of my current current role. So you, you would find yourself slowly becoming, it, it, the path slowly becomes clear to you when you are self aware and then when you are uh, exploring. That's really really exciting, and I'm so happy to hear you you talking about how you're loving your work and just hearing your voice light up too <laughs> and something that I want to um bring the focus on too yeah like it really then I work a lot of with a lot of career changers and really the number one thing that keep them stuck is they don't feel like they quite know what they're interested in and so they don't know what to go into next mm, I see and this is, you know, but once you figure that out, like, like you said, with self-awareness and you explore by doing and trying things out, that's when you can really have a more clear idea of mm -hmm. what your next dream career is. Mm -hmm. And what I found is that oftentimes deep down, mm -hmm. we know what we want to go into next mm -hmm. um, in terms of the general area, for example, creativity, but so many years of social conditioning and parental expectations have mm -hmm. really pushed that down or mm -hmm. away from our minds. And so I'm curious for you, and this is actually a question that from the listeners is, you know, mm -hmm. as someone who has an Asian background, mm -hmm. what sacrifices, if any, did you make or did you have to make um, in terms of parental expectations or just, you know, what society expects of you. Sure. Uh, that's, that's a longer conversation, but we can touch upon it a little bit. Maybe it's a little bit different for me because um, 
I'm actually like my parents are living in China and I came to the States as an international student. So it, inherently, I think it puts certain restriction on me. Uh, the society puts certain restrictions on me in terms of the jobs that I can get um, in terms of, you know, status and immigration and visa, visa uh, sponsorship and things like that. That's not really a restriction coming from my parents. It's coming from the society. So I kind of have to work around that and discover within that con uh, constraint, discovering and navigating. So that that's, I don't know if that's extra difficult, but that is that is kind of like a layer of um, restriction. Definitely. So I think it, there's there's something to be said uh, about parental expectations, even with that situation. My my dad would always, and he's he's kind of quieted down in the recent <laughs> years, but my dad since college graduation had always encouraged, strongly encouraged, go do an MBA. Right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> Very traditional way of go do an MBA. You know, we uh, none of our family members, my parents. Went to went to grad school and would love to have another you know second like a second level of education to further yourself and uh, once you have an MBA you can do this and this and this and of course they know um, something but not a lot about the MBA and, and all that in, in the U.S. no less so the I understand where that's coming from but that could also be like stressful you know every time I told them no this is not what I want to do this is you know you, you have that back and forth so um, in recent years I I know through certain you know, personal life navigation and career navigation, um, I found that I would like to further my education in counseling psychology. And again, boom, there's another career change, but it not, doesn't necessarily have to be, but I do like to learn more about this field. I didn't know about this field until actually last summer. And when I do find out there is this field called counseling psychology, which you can study in, that immediately light up a uh, light bulb in my head, like, wow, this is it, right? Because of um, the personal navigation and the career navigation the past couple of years, it all accumulates. This is what we're talking about just now, what you're intrinsically motivated in. And when, it, when the thing does show up, you're like, that's it, right? You, you get that. That's, that's exactly what I'm talking about, even though you don't know about it beforehand, right? So that aside, when I, when I did um, apply to grad school and what got into uh, a couple of counseling psych programs, a, a master's program, um, initially my thought was I wanted to um, potentially become a therapist in the, in the long future uh, after grad school, licensing exam and all that good stuff. So when I told my parents that, they had a lot of concerns. And I'm like, well, how do you want to do this? How do you want to navigate you know, um, sources of income? And what if you have a child in the future? How are you going to take care of them when you do go to school and get licensed? So there's a lot of concerns and even they were still going back to why don't you just do an MBA and have a, have a stable life for now you could right. navigate your dreams in the future you know when your child is 18 years old and then you have all the time so there's that and then it's totally understandable um, it's the traditional view of you know, sacrificing yourself for your construct for your social construct uh, but uh, it might not be a good fit for me and I I'm still I'm struggling with it for sure it's not really like done deal kind of this is my thing and this is your thing we're just never speaking to each other it's it's a struggle because I do realize everybody's situation uh, that, that constricts that, 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 that does restrict them in thinking what do I want to consider in this stage of my life uh, to hopefully balance different parts of, of me right and, and we talk about we talk about I was thinking about this idea of women wanting to having it wanting to have it all and ha having having thought about uh, balancing potentially work sources of income and school potentially kind of a dream and motivating me intrinsically a field of study at least to go into and navigating potentially starting a family in the next couple of years I it, it, it struck me like, wow this is what we're talking about can women have it all right um, and it's it's really difficult so I, I, I thought this idea of I remember Oprah used to say yeah we can have it all just not at the same time mm. uh, I find that comforting and it also kind of is oh, I wish you could just balance all things at the same time <laughs> right 
Um, so there's that. And I don't know if that is the parental expectation or social expectation being internalized within me, but when you really see your situation, you see what you need. I think really comes down to that. You see your needs at a given certain given point in time. I think for, for folks in, in their mid-20s, maybe the need is to get to know yourself. You know, we as humans, our brain, uh, our brains don't really fully develop until we're 25, actually. So between college graduation and three years after, we're still constantly changing and developing and exploring, right? That's a good time to do that. Not to say after it's not, but I'm just saying, you know, after you might feel yourself changing and feeling yourself kind of gaining clarity a little bit more. But during your mid twenties, it is it, your needs might be different. Your needs is to get to know yourself. Your needs is to um, maybe finding a career, right? So do that, right? You might not actually have considerations around. I'm gonna have a child in the two years, and what I'm gonna to do to support that, right? You don't might not have that consideration. So, so digging deep into what I, what do I need within this period of my time, and try to shape and form your situation around that, and hopefully balancing different parts of yourself. I think that's what I'm trying to do these days and I struggle with it and constantly exploring the, the process with my partner. Uh, we, we think about what we want our future family to look like and how would we support that um, in the Bay Area <laughs> and, and how, how can I myself as a person also balance um, the, the kind of the dream aspect of wanting to study in counseling psychology, but also the pr practical aspect of having a stable source of income to support a family because we want to support um, a relatively comfortable upbringing for our child. And that is important to me. That is, uh, I want to support a healthy family situation growing up. So there's that. And balancing that is, 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 is challenging, but that's a different stage of life, right? For, yeah. for mid-20s, you, you have other considerations to, to balance. Maybe doing a job that you're not interested in right now, but having side projects, right? Balancing those. It, it does come down to maybe dig deep within yourself to see what your needs are within that period of time. You brought up so many good points. And yeah, I really like what you said. Well, first of all, um, I noticed that when your parents said grad school, they didn't mean just any grad school. It was <laughs> MBA, right? So right. they oftentimes, they have these very specific expectations. And I really liked how you brought up that only you know yourself best and these different parts of you. And only you know what is the best balance for you right now. And yep. I'd love to talk a little bit more too about mental health and careers because I know it's something that's really important to you. And I know how stressful the career change process can be, especially if you are, you know, going at it alone. So, um, yeah, well, just what couple of pieces of advice do you have on this topic for people who are also really interested in mm -hmm. mental health or are going to through some tough times right now? Absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. This is really important. Uh, it's something that I've been advocating for in the past couple of years, just giving personal experience and work experience. Um, you sometimes will find that you, your mental health is stretched within certain roles, given how cutthroat it is, the industry, the work itself, uh, your toxic work environment, a stressful just situation. Take a step back and really think, do you, there's, there's something to be said about prioritizing your mental health. Um, I know everybody prioritizes different things. I know um, I have I have friends who go into iBanking and they don't prioritize their mental health in the first couple of years and they prioritize maybe uh, retiring early, right? So you have different prior priority. But for me personally, and I, and I strongly advocate for others to, to think about uh, your relationship with your own mental health and when it comes to work, how you view your work from a mental health lens. During my years of, you know, uh, kind of understanding what's important, 
to you. Um, for me, mental health at work is, is really important. And this is something that I reached, this is a conclusion I reached after working year, for years in the for-profit industry. I think, I think there is a level of, again, we're going back to that power dynamic, my relationship with my work, going into consulting, I'm here to learn, I'm here to pay the bills, you know, I'm here to kind of pay the due, right? And, and wanting to thrive after. So there is that um, level of, okay, whatever they say, I'll do it, or kind of sticking through, sticking through those long hours and sleepless nights and, you know, all that. Um, there's something to be said about that in the early career. That's, that's fair, you know, that, that, is, that is kind of the reality, but being observant of how you feel Mm-hmm. And not necessarily say, okay, I'm going to quit it because it's just too stressful. That's definitely a good reason to quit. <laughs> you don't want to, you don't want to burn out. But being observant of, huh, this is making me feel a little angry, or this makes makes me feel anxious. Being observant around that, that can gives you, that can give you information. Like your emotions is your information, it's your data point to navigate your career, right? Maybe in the future you don't want this to happen anymore, and you don't want to feel this way anymore. What? How do we get there, right? You don't want to be yelled at at work. How do we get there? Find a work environment that is collaborative and create psychological safety, right? And that's hard to come by for sure, but that's that's your data point. You're looking for that now. So being observant, I think, is is one part where we can think about mental health in the workplace. Uh, in the workplace. The second thing is that, you know, during my years in the for-profit world, I have come to realize more and more that mental health is incredibly important to me. Uh, and not only just in life, but also in the workplace. I have experienced kind of relatively toxic work environment, and that wasn't fun. You know, that lowered my productivity, brought me a lot of stress, and, and I asked myself, is it worth it? Even though the money is great, is it worth it? No, that's an answer for me, right? It's not worth it. <laughs> I, I can, I can, I'm okay to accept a lower paycheck if I, I get to work with more environment, more collaborative and more trusting environment. So it's not worth it. But that make it, making that decision needs to be based on you, needs to be based on you, your assessment of this work and how, and the stress level that it brings and whether you're burning out, that's really important to know and whether you want to give that up for, for something else, right? Sometimes I don't think, and, and this goes back to kind of priorities in life in general, sometimes I don't think uh, sacrificing your mental health for a job is really worth it in general. So that kind of helps me make decisions easier, but I know jobs and careers are uh, very, very important to, to many people because, you know, they kind of sometimes tie their identity to it. And it, it, for good reason, you know, if you, especially if you find something that you are interested in, you're passionate, you want to put your all in. It is not only a job anymore, it's your cause, you know, it's your mission in life, for sure. Sometimes I do think in that situation, it's a little bit different. Usually in a job situation, I'd say, where you are working for a company, for example, you're looking to change, try to separate uh, a little bit, try to make some separation and, and be self-aware when you, when you find something that you're interested in, definitely dig in. But then if you are in a situation where like, ah, what am I doing here? Then, then be observant and then take care of your mental health. I'd say maybe it's not worth it to, 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 to be too stressed out about not doing, (laughs) like, like I said earlier, right? Not as a fish, not being able to climb the tree. Is the fish going to stress about it? Probably not worth it because they would never be able to climb the tree, right? So that kind of take a step back to think from that once. Thank you so much for bringing light on this super, super important issue. And one thing that I kept on repeating in my head that I really want to remember is, you know, what you said that your emotions is your data point. Mm-hmm. And I think oftentimes we say, you know, we want happiness in our work, but, mm-hmm. you know, at the end of the day, I think we only see the amount of money that we're making as value, even though happiness is also worth X amount of money. It also has this value and it's really about what balance do, mm-hmm. you, ha- do you want to have in your life? So mm-hmm. I'm curious for you, 
how do you define, you know, on the topic of money and value, mm. how did you define success in the past and mm -hmm. how do you define success now? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> um, I think I might have thought about it in, uh, in the past at some point. I think, I think in general, how I define success and not just in career, but just in life in general, like I'm looking back my last year uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know if the word success is, uh, is something that I often use. I think it's a journey. It's never really, not to say it's never successful enough, but it's a journey. It's, there's no point of I'm successful now and then done with it, right? It's, it's, it's like I'm always growing. I think that is something that I, I think about. And success may be coming from whether I've grown or not. And growth means so differently to different people. To me, growth means I, I have certain criteria in kind of looking back and do I feel like I'm growing, right? Do I feel like I've learned something about life, about, about myself, about jobs? So that, that to me is success, but it's never ending, right? Not to say I'm never good enough. It's different, uh, but I'm always, I, I thrive to always grow, right? And um, when I look at myself in, in you know, maybe uh, in the past couple of years in career, have I, have I taken kind of, have I not wasted the time? I think wasted the past year. Uh, have I done well in certain areas? Have I learned more in certain areas about myself and, um, and compared to myself last year, right? Not compared to everybody else. It's, it's just, that's a rat race out there <laughs> compared to myself. And if I do, that's a success. However, I, I would say it's, it's hard to do. Um, I find myself sometimes viciously comparing myself to others and I'm like, oh, I'm failing and look at all the other people, you know, at my age, they're doing this and they, they're making this much money. That is definitely normal. Uh, everybody has that. <laughs> so there's no need to kind of being too hard on yourself when you do find yourself in that mindset. And my partner and my husband sometimes would like, would remind me like, hey, you know, this is just, and then the next morning I was like, okay, great. <laughs> I'm feeling good about myself again. Um, so there, there's that back and forth and it's always kind of like a journey ongoing. Uh, money is uh, definitely, I, my, my, my relationship with money definitely changed over the past couple of years. Uh, it's, it's interesting to look back as, you know, when I first joined, I, when I first joined the tech industry, uh, my salary was low and I was so happy. <laughs> and then navigating, navigating more into the career, my salary has increased. Am I happier? I'm not, I'm not so sure. Right. But, mm -hmm. the, it, but I don't think that is really the question to, to say, oh, money doesn't bring happiness. It's not like that. There's so much more nuance and complexity in your career, in, in your situation, in your changes in the past couple of years. I just re vaguely remember those are happy times, but those are also when I was younger, when I didn't, I had, you know, I, when I live on my own, when I didn't have to pay much rent, you know, when, when the situation was different, when my needs were different, right? I was new to San Francisco, I needed to make friends. So totally different. There's no, I don't think it's valid to directly compare. When I make less money, I'm happier. When I make more money, I'm more stressful. It really isn't that black and white. But I'd say there's something to be said about, you know, um, we're living in a capitalistic world and uh, we're, we're taking our labor into, you know, emotional labor, physical labor, intellectual labor into this marketplace of exchange, right? You work for an employer, let's just say you're not self-employed, but you work for an employer and they utilize your resources and, you know, basically you, you're a resource to them, but you also get something out of it. It's like a two-way street ex exchange. Uh, it's a very dry way of looking at it, but um, kind of holistically, if we talk about money, that is that is what's what can be plugged in there. Um, it, it is an exchange, but you want to make sure that maybe you are you are getting what you're worth, right? Um, and that's again, that's a whole other topic. We can talk more later. Definitely. Um, but I'm talking just about my relationship with money has changed in in the years. I, I found myself in situations where 
you know, uh, getting underpaid and why is that and, uh, and then negotiating salary. And not only just, um, I'd say not only just for, uh, you know, equal pay and all that, but more of a, how, do I understand my worth, the, the value that I bring into this marketplace? And again, this just talking about job, right? The value that I bring into this world is so much more than the value I bring into the marketplace, but that's, that's another conversation. But when we do navigate these things, uh, we want to keep in mind what is our value and making sure that we're not, we're not being taken advantage of in, in a way. However, <laughs> again, this, this is a struggle, right? Because if we only think about a job in terms of what it can provide me, in terms of what I'm worth and how much I'm making, you, you put yourself in a very narrow, uh, situation because then that becomes your that becomes your priority you ideally um not maybe uh, i guess in general ideally it's a situation where you find yourself good at the job you enjoy doing it and you're not getting taken advantage of in, in terms of compensation and things like that and that is that that is the process to to explore i think definitely and i'm curious for you at what point did you feel really confident that you made the right decision for your current creative career that when you knew it was right for you because again there's so many different success metrics yes um i in this job um i i realized as i do it and during interview i realized that uh, this job provides um several things that i need and i'm looking for from a job at this point in time right and um there's a couple things I can I can say about why my current role is a good fit. I have been over the past couple of years have been exploring doing cross cultural work, and I didn't have the opportunity to do that until actually recent years. So I realized, wow, okay, I am cross cultural as an individual, and doing this line of work really empowers me to be the bridge in both worlds, and I want to continue doing that. So that's one thing. And two is ideally I would like to write, but I know in professional setting what kind of writing I enjoy and what kind of writing I don't. There's different kinds of writing, right? Writing for marketing material writing for um, coming up with ideas about blog posts for a company, right? Different for a company every single week. That is very stressful. And I don't enjoy writing doing that for yourself. That's a different thing, right? But for a company, that's different. So maybe more kind of working with working with the engineering team, distilling uh, engineering uh, specs to writing, uh, to writing and getting that information to kind of strategize the content uh, to and uh, kind of spreading it to a certain audience. That is the type of writing I do enjoy. And I, I am good at that. So so there's the two sides. And the third side is the, the work environment. I, I, I remember in my current job interview, my manager asked me, what are you looking for in your next role? And I think they were looking maybe for something like they were, they were looking for answers like, uh, I want to do this, or uh, my, my salary is this. But what I said was a team environment that values psychological safety and no, no micromanaging, because that, that is something that I've experienced before and I no longer wanted that, and I wanted it in the next job, right? Again, going back to what we talked about earlier, the, the, what you don't like and take mental note of those, look for the opposite in your next role, right? What you do want to look for. Thankfully, this role so far has meet all of those needs, and that's, that's great, right? Um, and you know, I, I get to write for a cross-cultural audience in both languages every day. Uh, I get to write every day. I get to craft the the wording and be meticulous about things. Um, and the, the work environment so far, my manager has been incredibly, incredibly uh, supportive, mm -hmm. but no micromanaging whatsoever because she does trust my work and I do a good job. So it all kind of comes together. Uh, but mind you, this takes this this has taken ten plus years to get here mm. because it does. You know, not to say it's it's ten plus years for everyone, but it does take time. It's a process to to get to this point and finding a, a good fit for you at this current moment.
Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, it's a process about finding a good fit for you and as well as learning about yourself. And Absolutely. Yeah. there's something so powerful about, you know, being really clear on what you don't like and sticking to mm -hmm. it. And mm -hmm. that's what you, you did exactly, mm -hmm. Rika, is, you know, you said that I want a collaborative, supportive team environment. I want a manager that doesn't micromanage. And I think for all of us, we have these internal values um, that we need to have a fulfilling career, but it's hard to stick to it. And I've seen people, you know, go back into environments um, mm. that weren't healthy for them, but it's because it's what they're used to and mm. it's comfortable. So yeah, mm. I think there's so much to say about one, identifying what you need, but also sticking to it because what you put out there is mm -hmm. what you're going to get. And ultimately mm -hmm. you are building your own career Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, something really interesting to, to be said about that, going back to familiar environment, even though they might not be good for us, uh, familiarity is powerful. It yeah. kind of draws you in, right? This not only isn't about career, but also um, in dating, right? <laughs> what yeah. we're familiar with growing up as a, as a family environment, as a love environment, kind of, kind of manifests itself in adult dating. And then we somehow are drawn to things that are familiar, even though dynamics that might be familiar even though they may or may not be good for us and somehow we're just drawn to it right there's there's something to be said about that i i, I think of it as um maybe finding what's good for you and even though it's uncomfortable uh, mm. because it's not familiar um it is growth it is definitely growth you basically stepped out of a vicious cycle and stepping out of that is incredibly difficult and it takes a lot of courage so um, it's normal to want to go back to familiar environments, but if you know that's not good for you, we humans, I don't think we humans are, are good at answering the question, it's not good for me, then why do you go back? I don't know, it's just it's just familiar, it's comfortable, right? But it's also might not be good for you. Um, so there's two things to dig into, and same with work environment, I think. For sure, and what would you say is the one thing that has helped you the most in making your career change? I know we talked about so many. Sure. Uh, the one thing, um, can I say like three things <laughs> real quick? Because <laughs> yes, uh, the, the, first, the first two things we already talked about, so I don't elaborate, but if we want to get concrete, um, so three things. One is being curious, right? We talked about that. Mm -hmm. Two is being self-aware, the self-awareness, developing, um, observing your emotions, uh, taking that as feedback, um, and that's two. Three, and again, really concrete, LinkedIn. <laughs> LinkedIn has been super helpful. And I've been utilizing it to my to my advantage, left and right, for many reasons. And I like code outreach for some reason. And uh, a lot of people, I guess it's uncomfortable for a lot of people, but mm. I think of it as you just reach out to as many people as possible and see who responds. Mm -hmm. uh, but hopefully, your your outreach is coming from I, I is a, coming from like a genuine. I want to learn, right? You, you took a look at this person's profile. You 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 understand where they're coming from, and then you kind of hopefully send a targeted message to them to learn, right? That every time I change into a different role, maybe going to interviewing a different company, I always make sure to reach out to people within that company, people that um, friends that can connect me with or just on LinkedIn in general. Certain things that I would filter for is maybe somebody from my alma mater. There's mm -hmm. extra connection there, easier to easier to reach out and to get response. Um, other thing could be somebody who has uh, make a career change and then used to be my little old career, right? When I was doing um, research into the counseling psychology field, I took months to reach out to people on LinkedIn, just cold outreach on LinkedIn, asking uh, 
what is it like what is it like in the field what do you like about it and I also actually found out people who transitioned from tech to counseling mm -hmm. uh, from consulting to counseling right and those people um, probably uh, align with my path a little bit more and I try to get their sense how they feel uh, and do, do that research. And then LinkedIn has that. So you could even filter for, uh, <laughs> there's something uh, that I did briefly last year, and this could be um, what your audience can use, start using. Uh, I briefly uh, researched into people who are doing uh, UX, UX research mm -hmm. uh, that had a counseling psychology background, because that's something that I'm thinking, okay, what if I, I do graduate from counseling psychology field and I go back to tech for whatever reason, could UX research be something that I could do using my degree, right? And actually I was able to filter for people who make that transition by simply wow. just putting search terms and keywords, right? You can put in keywords like UX research or user research, and then maybe go back to their school and selecting, you know, what, which school they went to and what degree they, they did. So you can find out a bunch of people who did that transition. And I reached out to a lot of them, many, many of them enthusiastically replied because they're like, wow, you're exploring this too. Tell me more. I did the same thing. And here are my tips. You know, I want to share mm -hmm. you, you have that. So LinkedIn, LinkedIn has that. And you, you'd be surprised by how many people are willing to reply if you uh, send a message coming from a genuine curiosity, wanting to get to know them, their career change, and then kind of be a little bit more meticulous when you do make um, that intro uh, message. That's a really great tip. And I've also been able to use LinkedIn to reach out to a lot of different people and even higher ups or like leaders in the field that you think mm -hmm. they might be too busy for you. But actually, mm -hmm. like you said, they're really excited to get these messages and mm -hmm. be able to help other people out. And mm -hmm. Serendipitously, I actually just posted a out like cold outreach um, email mm -hmm. that people can use for LinkedIn too. I posted it in a couple of Facebook groups just last week and mm -hmm. it blew up. I think there was about 800 likes or something. Amazing. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and it just shows how like fearful people are of mm -hmm. outreach, but it's something that we really want to do and mm -hmm. it's helpful. And I'm really glad you brought this up um, and shared your experiences too. Mm -hmm. And I'll share the outreach template in the show notes below. Another thing is that when you're talking to someone, you get to size skip so many steps and experiencing it for yourself. You can secondhandly mm -hmm. learn from them, which mm -hmm. is also what's really great about reading books and stuff like that. So mm -hmm transitioning to something that I ask all of my guests is what is your favorite career resource book? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I, Yanchi, I gave this a, lo a little bit of thoughts and uh, I, I don't necessarily have a favorite uh, career related book or article. I do think certain mindset would be, uh, has been helpful to me and they're my favorite mindsets. <laughs> I'll, I'll just share them. Um, uh, one is asking for resources, right? If you are exploring, go out there and ask. You will actually find um, when you are brewing in your own head, nothing's gonna come to you. But if you reach out and get your message out there, things are coming to you because you did that, right? You, you, you make that happen. Mm -hmm. and, but you need to take that first step to ask for resources, either by talking to people, code outreach on LinkedIn, like we said, and just go out there and get yourself, like, get yourself seen in a way. And then you will find that resources are coming to you. You're paying more attention to these and people are coming to talk to you because you asked first, right? Uh, similar to job search, right? If you just think I'm going to job search, but no, but don't put anything out there. No job is going to come to you. 
right? You got to do your own work first. That's a mindset I think would be super important. And everything kind of just flows from there. I hope that's helpful. That's, that would be uh, a career, my, one of my favorite career mindset. Um, and every time it surprises me, every time, it's, every time I navigate a change, where do I start? Okay, I need to reach out to people. I need to send emails and emails to friends and cold outreach on LinkedIn. And every time it surprises me how, how much response I get, I, I get right? Oh, this is because I, I asked first. Mm -hmm. um, and it's a pleasant surprise every time, even though I know this is going to happen. Definitely. And I think there's just something so powerful about, you know, showing up in the world and telling, you know, the world that, okay, this is what I'm planning to do. And mm -hmm. this is how I need help. Cause I think oftentimes we're scared to ask for help, but mm -hmm. how can other people help you if you don't mm -hmm. make first make that ask. And yep. I'm a huge mindset fan. So I really mm -hmm. loved what you shared. And lastly, Wonderful. what one or two sentence concrete advice do you have for those who are, you know, currently contemplating whether they should go for that less traditional career? Keep your eyes open, sharp, and be self-aware. Mm. That's it. <laughs> Hopefully that helps. So, so good. And where can you, we find you for your advice or tips? Sure. Um, I post a lot on LinkedIn and mostly related to um, mental health and the workplace and just sharing some, um, some kind of uh, reflection on work in the world in general. So feel free to add me on LinkedIn. Uh, I can post my link there. Sounds great. I'll include the link to your LinkedIn below. And yeah, it sounds like LinkedIn has been so great for you. So it makes sense that you would be active on there. <laughs> yep. Yep. For sure. Thank you so much for coming on to this podcast. I had so much fun talking to you, you about the growth mindset and mental Absolutely. health and you know how we can really take charge of our own careers and advocate for ourselves. So thank you. Thank you sure. again. Thank you, Yonchi. Thanks so much for taking the time. So many goodies in this episode, right? If you can think of one person in particular who would find today's message really helpful on their career change journey, please, please share this episode with them. It can make a huge difference. And as a big thank you for being here, one of the most common questions that I get is, how do I get unstuck? And so I put together a free guide that you can use to help you break out of the rut and start taking steps towards a career you love through a Get Unstuck side project. You can get that guide for free over at onemonthprojects.com slash get unstuck. Enjoy and see you next week.